Hello, it's David Shirley here from Irish Funds. So on the 11th of March, we had our North American Digital Seminar, and in this we had two fabulous panel discussions, the first of which we're now presenting as a podcast. So this is entitled Fund Distribution, Finding New Routes, Irish Products to Broaden Your Investor Base. It's moderated by Lisa Keeley, who's Chair of Irish Funds and a partner with EY, and features Andy D'Souza, who's a partner with Lord Abbott, Florian Schneider, Head of Cross-Border Product with Amundi, and Jeffrey Bakash, who's Global Head of ETF Solutions at BNP Paribas. I hope you enjoyed this and check back soon for more great content. So delighted now to have our first panel of two panel discussions. So for the next 35 minutes, myself and my very expert panels of industry leaders are going to debate the question, fund distribution, finding new routes for Irish product to broaden your investor base. So to kick off, I'd love to get your views, you know, our participants. So I'm going to ask a polling question. And if you go to the top right hand side of your screen, beside the Q&A icon, you should see the polling question. And the question is, what is what is or are the main factors affecting fund distribution strategies in 2021? Is it regulation, sustainable investing, digitization of the distribution process? cross-border model, less local, more local, less cross-border, and you can pick more than one. So while we're going through and while you guys are participating in the polling question, I just wanted to introduce my panelists. So firstly, we have Jeff Pakash. Jeff is Global Head of ETF Solutions for BNP Paribas. And in the middle, we have Andy D'Souza. Andy is partner of Institutional Investor Services for Lord Abbott. And then we have Florian Schned, who is head of cross-border product for Amundi. So three very different perspectives. So I'm just going to pause and see the results in. No, they're not. So we're going to give it another moment for our polling questions. So maybe, Florian, if I can kick off with you. You know, you guys have recently set up in Ireland, having had product in Luxembourg for many years. You know, why Ireland and why now? And what has the experience been like? Well, thank you, Lisa. So we could start, right? Um, well, no, uh, as you said, I think we're in a bit of a special situation as we have been operating in Ireland since already 1989 with quite substantial portfolio management operations. Today, we have around 350 staff in Dublin with a focus mainly on European equities, multi-asset, but also significant IT and operations. Additionally to that, Dublin has always been our hub for cross-border product development. And that's the reason why I'm here. So, however, only last year we started launching Irish domiciled funds. So that has two purposes to be saying. First of all, we now provide fund hosting for other investment managers who might not have the operational or substance capacity to launch their own products. So this is a new service we offer. Um, secondly, we have started launching our own retail funds to complement our existing Lux domiciled range and essentially create a second pipeline. So while Luxembourg remains our primary location for all of our strategic products, we will be using Ireland a lot for more tactical products which are co-developed with distribution partners. So that, that business is very time sensitive and that's where I'm coming to now. That, that's why we believe Ireland is the perfect location for us for two reasons. First of all, we do not interfere with our strategic products which already have a very full pipeline in Luxembourg. And secondly, the Central Bank of Ireland is generally very engaging and indeed approachable when it comes to launching new products. So we believe these two reasons are our 
key benefit for being here. That's great, Florian. And, you know, just delighted to see you guys launch um, Irish product and to be happy with the experience. It's great to hear. And you guys have been here since I think it was, was it 2014? And, um, you know, you've obviously had a lot of, you know, product or sure product outside the US. And you now have maybe about a dozen funds. What has the experience been like for you and how successful are your Irish funds range? And indeed, do they differ from the US? So I suppose a couple of aspects to the question there, Andy. Sure. Thanks, Lisa. Um, thanks for having me today. I think um, the experience has been, it's been great in, in a word. So it's been, it's been a great experience for us as a firm. Uh, globalizing distribution for us has been uh, a key initiative. Um, uh, and this has been, the use of vehicle for us has been a core component of that strategy overall. And so we've seen, you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, use funds domiciled in Ireland are sold, I think it was in 90 different countries around the world. Um, we've been able to see that firsthand uh, since 2014, as we go into more and more jurisdictions, seeing the uh, acceptance of the use its uh, funds uh, based in Dublin. So it's been fantastic for us as an experience. Um, you know, it's been a common thread across multiple jurisdictions in our strategy to grow. And with the regulatory environment constantly changing, it's been nice to have uh, a lot of peers and, uh, and, and others to help us uh, kind of you know, understand what's happening in the marketplace. And now we have actually people on the ground in Ireland. Um, as far as the success of the range for us, yeah, we launched it in 2014, as you mentioned, we're now just shy of 12 billion USD in assets under management across uh, 11 usage um, funds uh, and uh, four of them are over a billion uh, each. So it's nicely diversified for us as well. The last question I think you asked was around the uh, difference from our US range. We've got about 50, when it comes across border or I should say pooled vehicles or commingled funds. We've got about 50 US 40 act uh, pooled vehicles, whereas offshore, I mentioned we have 11. So we are taking sort of, uh, you know, a, a little bit more of a, um, you know, focused approach offshore. And that's partially because not everything we have on the U.S. side is relevant to uh, investors outside the U.S. And partially because, um, you know, it's just a nice deliberate slow approach for us to do this. So uh, maybe I'll finish by just saying that we have, uh, you know, product strategy for us is, is linking the, the intersection between a core competency that we have and investor demand. And so whenever we see that, we can then enter the market with a new usage fund. Uh, and it's been overall, again, just a great experience for us. Thank you. Again, just fantastic to hear, Andy. So, you know, thank you for that. And then Jeff, from your side, you know, as the global ETF lead, you know, ETFs, I suppose, are, you know, a very big asset class for us here in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And at a global level, I suppose, they're just seen as another distribution line to access investors. So very important and growing. What trends are you seeing in Europe and do they differ from what you're seeing in the US with your global hat on, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. I think where, where you have, uh, and thank you for having me, it's a pleasure to speak with everyone. Um, I think what you have in common first is the word that you just used, growing. Uh, both have doubled, both the US and the EU market have doubled in size in the past five years. Uh, you just passed the $1 trillion mark. Now, the U.S. market is still about $4 trillion greater, and it, and it only has about four to 500 more funds. So there's obviously a lot more scale in the United States. And I think that's when you start to get into what some of the differences are. Clearly, Ireland is the leader uh, in terms of domiciling product. 
but then how you get that product into the different exchanges can vary. And that's where the US, you just have one market and usually your products just on one exchange, it might be on NASDAQ or NYSE. In Europe, you could have one domiciled product on multiple exchanges. So that, that really plays into how you start to set things up. And then you start to get into some of the technical differences. Um, a lot of funds in Europe uh, use synthetic to get exposure versus physical. Um, so that would that would be a little bit different because there's a lot of tax advantages in the U.S. for for having physical holdings. Um, you also have the way ETFs are created. You have more off market activity in Europe than you do in the United States. And then you have uh, different ways to settle with all those different exchanges and all those different holdings. Um, you have different ways. So you have more fragmentation in the European market. We could still use Ireland as a kind of center domicile versus the U.S. market, which is kind of more. Uh, singular. Great, thanks Jeff. And we might delve into the whole distribution piece now in a moment and what we might do is kick off with the polling question right okay so maybe Stephen if we could share the results there. So you know the question was um, you know what are the main factors affecting distribution strategies in 2021 and by far and away we can see the number one answer is regulation then digitization then it's probably more cross-border, less local, and then fourth being sustainable investing. So if I can pass over, you know, Andy Florian, you know, any comments on that? Anything that surprises you? On Florian, mute. you've got your mute off. <laughs> Not really surprising, no. Um, okay, I, yeah. I, I'm more so surprised that I wouldn't uh, was more surprised that sustainable investing wouldn't be bigger, but that the regulation yeah. is in the center of everyone for sure. That's the case. I think we felt it all the last couple of years. We're very heavy in regulation, and there is no end in sight. So I would echo that. Um, yeah. Regulation is here to stay, and we're all in it together. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's fair and well said, Andy. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd echo those comments as well. I mean, we just, you know, we're a day after the deadline, the March 10th deadline for SFDR. And um, so those two, you know, those, that's sort of the intersection of regulation and sustainable investing right there. And so not surprising those are the two highest uh, or it's two of the highest on the list. Um, I would have think I would have thought, though, that sustainable investing would have been higher than uh, digitization as well. Yeah. And maybe the deadline yesterday has just worn people down. I don't know, Andy and Florian. But let's pick up on sustainable investing, because as you say, you know, hugely important in terms of the future. But we might maybe just pause on the distribution piece. And maybe, Florian, if I can ask you, you know, what trends are you seeing in terms of fund distribution? You know, um, obviously, you've mentioned Ireland is a great hub for kind of retail funds. You know, what are the advantages that you see? Well, why Ireland is a great question with a relatively simple answer for us. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we're using Ireland mainly for products which are co-developed with distribution partners. We could also launch these products in our local markets, but Ireland gives us the opportunity for a widespread cross-border distribution with a very smooth process. So this makes it very easy for us to create scale effects for, by both having all of those products within the same management company and by distributing essentially a product which was created for one client to multiple other clients in other markets without any hurdles. So Ireland has a great infrastructure for such cross-border distribution, makes it very easy. Secondly, and I know it's often a bit of a dirty word, is also about tax. So Ireland does not charge a subscription tax on funds, which essentially 
Can you still hear me? I can hear you now. You're back, Florian. Breaking up. Yeah, ever so slightly. Yeah. I just go on and you tell me if it's not working. That's um, fine. You continue, Florian. We can hear so you perfectly. I, I think the last thing I said was what uh, Irish funds essentially are cheaper. No, you, you can save up to five basis points in your cost. In a time like today, where we have continued cost and margin pressure, uh, that shouldn't be underestimated for clients and for investment managers. In, in terms of other trends, well, I could talk all day, but I will make it very short. It's ESG, ESG, and more ESG. It's all about sustainable investing now. Uh, if you look three years back, uh, we had just started very small in uh, retail funds, this trend. If I now look back these three years and compare the flows in the cross-border space of non-ESG versus ESG funds, it's just phenomenal. Now, while non-ESG funds had quite of a bumpy ride with first inflows, then outflows, then again, a bit of inflows, um, they ended up these three years with minus 50 billion or so in net redemptions, whereas ESG funds had a steady stream of inflows totaling almost 100 billion in, in net new assets raised. So the main driver here was equity in our view, but also bonds and multi-asset are catching up. So it's a cross-sectorial trend. I believe the, the sustainable investing asset base has more than quadrupled in the last four years. It's a great trend. It's definitely here to stay and we shouldn't ignore it. I think that's fair enough, Florian. Quadrupled and lots more to come on sustainable investing. Andy, if I could pass to you, you know, you've mentioned your, you know, extensive distribution reach, you know, kind of across America's age back and it seems to be kind of, you know, global. Are there any markets that you found difficult to, um, to market in or to work in from an Irish perspective? Uh, no, I guess not really. There, there, have been, there are some considerations in certain jurisdictions around the world that may cause us to pause a bit and make sure we know what we're getting into in terms of um, having other regulators uh, looking at the at the prospectuses, for example, things like that. But in general terms, we we found um, you know again the Irish funds and the Usage funds uh, specifically to be they're viable across you know all continents, all jurisdictions we are focused on. So that goes from the high net worth uh, financial advisor in Miami servicing LATAM LATAM clients to the Chilean pension fund system, um, uh, all the way to European insurance companies to you know, uh, high net worth families in the Middle East and private banks in, in, out of Singapore and Hong Kong. So for us, it's been, it's been great. Um, it's been a great vehicle. I would say the use its funds have been a great vehicle for us to, um, to satisfy the needs of, of many clients around the world in, in both various jurisdictions. So we haven't really had a lot of um, uh, issues in anywhere. There'd be an issue with, um, with the funds. It's probably not an area they were focused on anyways. Um, so where we have needed to, or wanted to focus our efforts um, they've been received with, uh, with open arms, for sure. Really good to hear, Andy, great to hear. And, you know, Jeff, you know, if we reflect back to Carl's presentation, you know, we've had lots of change in the US, we've had Brexit, we've had COVID, so, you know, lots of change. How have these changes impacted distribution strategies? It's a great question. Obviously, when you talk about COVID, I think everyone listening and everyone speaking has all been affected in one way or another. And that's created a, a massive opportunity for change. We kind of view it as a if you're in Hawaii and you're surfing, it is the wave that is coming and it's up to the asset manager and the investor to, to have that skill to be able to surf that wave and to be able to, and to be able to ride it. So we really view it as a, a inflection 
inflection point. And one of the things that we've noticed over the past year um, is, is a more active retail presence in the ETFs, specifically around if you look at some of the volumes that have come into the LSE lately, um, they're really up about 50% year over year. So are ETFs in the European region becoming more retail effective? And are people taking more risk? One of the advantages of the ETF is it'll, it gives you a kind of specific for focus, a specific purpose, but with a broad diversification and what you've seen. And, and a lot of that translates into the news you've seen in the United States around, around some of the trading apps, around some of the individual names, but that's all, that's all coming about as a part of this uh, change. In terms of, obviously, everyone likes to talk about the election and Carl was referencing at the end, some of the things around uh, the Biden administration. I think you know, not talking politics, two things to, to look at. One, what will the new regime at the SEC want to do? Right now, they're still operating under the old one. Um, interesting there. Uh, in our conversations with asset managers, they felt the, the previous regime was looking more at merit or worthiness in terms of the product, less about disclosure. Will the new regime come in be more about disclosure? And if so, does that open the door for the new types of asset classes. And then the second thing, uh, something that's uh, affected us as a European bank in the United States is um, ESMA recently um, uh, approved uh, US uh, CCPs uh, with the SEC being the regulator for that. That was something we had been talking to about and working on for two or three years. Um, and then on January 27th, it comes through. So I, I'm not an expert in that, but that's just something we noticed. And it definitely seems to be opening up. You know, I think Andy and I could tell you the price of whiskey should be going back down for our imported whiskey. So that's a, that's a good thing. So, you know, you, obviously, Carl was the expert in talking about a lot of those trends, but that's just some of the things we're noticing. And uh, obviously, it's been a year of change and, and now the adaptation to that change and how we move forward. Great, Jeff. And, you know, kind of think no conversation on distribution would be complete without mentioning Brexit. You know, um, I'm not sure quite how extensively you distribute to the UK, but Andy, maybe if I can ask you, you know, did you avail of the temporary um, permissions regime to distribute to the UK? And how would you use that, you know, in terms of, you know, new launches or how would you do it in terms of new launches? Sure. Yes, we, we did avail of the TPR um, early on. Uh, and that was a nice, uh, a nice thing to, to be able to do. And um, overall, one of the advantages, I guess, of, of being a sort of a smaller, in some sense, asset manager outside the US, our footprint is not as large or is built up over time. So it gives us a little bit more flexibility uh, and we can adapt a little bit easier to some of these things. So it's, you know, uh, again, being that size, the size that we are, it has its, its sort of advantages and disadvantages. One of the advantages has been leading up to the mess that has been Brexit uh, for all of us trying to figure out, I mean, the tea leaves, uh, we've been able to have some. Uh, contingency plans in place and we acted on them pretty quickly and um, it has not disrupted our distribution at all. Um, but it has caused a lot more questions for us and, and game planning scenarios as to what to do uh, going forward. But um, for us, it's been, uh, I don't want to say a non-event, but has not been as a major issue for us. Again, very positive and great to hear, Andy. So there's a couple of questions coming through, but not a significant number. So just as a reminder to the audience, you know, please do fire through any and all questions and I'll happily pick them up. 
So, you know, it's probably the questions are probably more um, centered on product. So, you know, slightly switching gear then maybe. And Florian, I might pass over to you. You know, what trends are you seeing becoming more prevalent? You mentioned a lot about ESG and sustainable investing. So I know that is, you know, a huge growth area. And then generally, what investment trends are you seeing, Florian? It sounds a bit boring, but it's, it's really about ESG. Um, it's, ESG is moving on. Um, when you talk about distribution, I think it's moving on from essentially a Wild West style of distribution, where every market player had their own definitions, their own guidelines, is now moving into a more organized approach. So the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, the SFDR, as already mentioned by Andy, has just come into effect this week. And uh, this is the first step of a full regulatory pipeline of changes. Now we have SFDR level one, two, the taxonomy, MIFID coming up. There's a, there's a whole program there. Uh, all of them will further strengthen the trend towards sustainable investing because this regulation will create a framework around it. So with that program of regulation, um, in our opinion, this regulation to a certain extent is not a burden, but it's a real opportunity for harmonization of the currently quite fragmented ESG products in Europe. So finally, investors will have an opportunity to have common standards, being able to compare such products, and even more important than measure them on their self-defined goals. Because at the moment, everybody can say what they want about ESG. The, the proof is in the pudding when it comes to measurement. So we at Amundi, we have successfully categorized already 60% of our flagship fund range as minimum article eight. That's funds which promote ESG for everybody who's maybe not yet familiar with that regulation. Um, we target to move that number to almost 100% by the end of this year. And as soon as the level two reporting requir requirements come into force at the beginning of yeah, next year, there's no way to hide but to deliver on the promises made. So as a consequence, I believe um, distribution of such products will significantly change going forward. Article 8 will sooner or later become the default option for investors. So funds with zero ESG integration might not longer be the base case. Finance is truly becoming sustainable. And ultimately, I think that can only be a good thing for investors and our society as a whole. Great. Thank you, Florian. Another question coming through in relation to Brexit, right, okay. So Brexit is a real issue for small investment managers, distributors and distributors based in the UK with no European presence. Any thoughts on whether equivalents will be granted? So who wants to take that? Silence is golden, isn't it? <laughs> so do we say it is unlikely? based on silence? Is that what we take from the silence? The oh, M or do we I, wait for the MOU? And yeah. Andy? Please, I don't know if I'd say it's unlikely. I, I just, it'd be hard for me to, this is, uh, it's like predicting the weather a little bit here in some sense. And so we want to be careful what we say. Um, and and yeah. uh, my legal team will kill me if I say too much, but uh, <laughs> you know, we're hopeful that, uh, we're hopeful there's a lot more, um, that there's a lot more positive outcomes to, in, in the future. It's taken longer, it always does. And it's always uh, past deadlines. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, the silence is not that we think it will or won't happen. It's just that, there, you know, it's, we're hopeful that, it, that we come to a good conclusion here, but it's not an easy uh, thing to predict. And I think that's fair as well. I think clarity is key really, isn't it? You Absolutely. Know, I that will come. 
Well, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think the best thing you can do is everybody's impacting everyone differently between the small and the large. And that's where kind of working with your partners, whether it be on your side, uh, Lisa, or your banking partners, like we do, it's really important to get the right people that, that are kind of specifically focused on that in the organization. And uh, anyone that has questions, you know, we have a booth, you know, there's, there's the right people in there to talk to about how can you, uh, how can you, work with us and how can we help you uh, as we put a lot of time and effort into it. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you, Jeff. And maybe staying with you, Jeff, in terms of, you know, the product content piece and, you know, what are you guys seeing in terms of product yeah. content and investor appetite? Yeah. Well, the, one of the interesting things is obviously with Florian said, very true. It's uh, ESGs at the forefront, specifically with Europe. But uh, looking looking down the pipeline and, and what can happen, I think there's two topics that are really uh, emerging. The first is this next evolution of ETFs and going from what's become a, a passive, low-cost investment that's performed really well since 2008. Uh, the story is the out there and known. Um, but what will be the next point of that? And, and that'll be about um, uh, in the different jurisdictions, how will actively manage funds and to that extent, not as transparent actively managed funds. Some people call them semi, some call them ants, etc. How will, how will they come into the distribution pipeline? How will asset managers bring those in? And, and, and obviously there's a big regulatory component to that. Um, the second part, which we're hearing more and more, and particularly on, uh, on this side of the Atlantic, is gaining more and more news because of what's happened in Canada over the past month in ETFs, is crypto. And that's kind of diametrically opposed to what Florian was just saying about it's all about ESG. And while that's true, people in terms of digital tokens or digital assets, they're obviously not very ESG friendly. There was a big article in uh, the New York Times this week, I think, by uh, Andrew Ross, a prominent uh, journalist, about how that'll how that'll play out in the long run. So it's interesting because you're getting a lot of media focus, a lot of uh, attention, particularly what's been going on in Canada and how quickly ETF assets have been able to raise with the kind of crypto focus to them or a digital token focus, but how that would play out uh, versus uh, everything Florian was just saying about the ESG. And what's interesting, because it's, it goes back to something Andy mentioned, if you're using Ireland as a, as a domicile for usage, but you really want to get into APAC and LATAM, what are those investors' appetite for this? And how does that reconcile to ESG? And I think I think it's something uh, to watch and, and, to, and to figure out over the coming uh, years. I think that's very well said, Jeff. And, you know, maybe linking a couple of questions that have come through, you know, one in terms of, you know, opening up the market, CMU, retail investors, how to get more retail investors into the market. And then, you know, the use of technology in a post-pandemic world, is that going to help and how is that going to impact distribution? So, you know, maybe using the technology piece as the lead in, you know, how do you think technology is going to impact distribution post-pandemic? I think from our perspective, yeah, from our perspective, Lisa, thank you. It's uh, it's only going to enhance it, and it has. I think a year ago, we all were forced to stop traveling and um, work out of our homes uh, and, and be in this digital environment. 
we didn't know what to expect. Um, what we've seen though, is it's been able to do a lot of things for us in a positive way, which is sort of cut down on inefficiencies of travel. Um, you know, so the time zones don't, don't really uh, affect us as much anymore. I can't tell you how many calls I've been on late evening here in the US, early morning uh, in APAC recently. Um, and I think before the pandemic, clients and prospects weren't as open to those types of interactions, whereas now it's become the norm. And so you can conquer a lot of the time, distance, and space with technology these days. And so it's been a huge, uh, I think, um, benefit for those that, that have embraced it properly. And so it, it forces a lot more focus on content, on you know what you're going to actually provide to the clients uh, when you get them on the on the line. Um, and uh, that's only a good thing. It's going to make all of us better as far as asset managers providing great content to our to our clients. But um, I still think one thing though is that the handshake won't go away completely. And um, you know, there's a lot of pent up demand from a lot of our sales force uh, uh, and our clients to connect again in person sometime soon. And so that'll always be a key critical component, I think, for, for financial advice and for asset management. Um, just now we've been forced to find other ways to enhance that with digital technology and uh, going forward, those two together will be a, a great combination. I think that's fair. Yeah, so technology important, but you can't beat the face-to-face -to, -face to supplement. Yeah, so well said, Andy, and thank you. You know, if we look at, you know, Ireland, I'd just be interested in, you know, your future plans in terms of Ireland. And maybe, Andy, if I can, you know, kick off with you, you know, how many people do you have in Ireland? You know, what are your plans for growth and what next in terms of, you know, Ireland and your Irish fund range? Sure. Um, we started in 2014 with, uh, we had no, zero employees in Ireland. Um, this was back in the days of the SMICs, right? The self-managed investment companies. We've now evolved from the SMIC to a Manco to now a Super Manco. Um, and it's been a, a, an, interesting, an interesting learning process for us. And it's been a lot of fun along the way growing with, with, uh, with, uh, with Ireland uh, and with the usage um, and the AFE we now have as well. But um, we now have six people on the ground in Dublin. Uh, we'll have uh, another three uh, on the team by the end of the summer. And we're gonna keep growing from there. And so what I think was maybe six, seven years ago, people may have negatively thought of as a check the box exercise when it comes to resources and what the Central Bank of Ireland um, was asking for. I think it's no longer they're asking for. I think the asset managers are, are building out because we want to, because we need to, and we see the benefit of local knowledge, local expertise, and having those resources on the ground. So for us, um, we're only gonna get bigger in Ireland. Um, we love it there. Um, and uh, that's those, those are our plans. As far as the range going forward, um, as I mentioned before, we you know we're, we're deliberate and kind of careful when we launch new products. We want to make sure again, it's sort of where our core competency intersects with client demand. Um, we are seeing a lot more of that um, uh, going forward on the, on the ESG side to Florian's comments earlier. You know, we just recently launched a climate focused bond fund. So I would think you'd expect more from us in the future around uh, things related to um, uh, sustainability uh, in our investments overall. Great, Andy. So, you know, like that's kind of, you know, is what we're looking for in Ireland as well, you know, where people come, they like the experience, they build on it and they grow. So, you know, it's great to hear that that is, you know, your desire and your experience too, Andy. Florian, can I ask you in terms of, you know, where you see your European business go in terms of, you know, industry opportunities and what next over the coming two years? Well, globally, globally, um, our focus is to continue to work towards our sustainable investing targets. So first of all, by the end of 2021, all of our funds will have ESG integrated. More focused on Ireland, I would say now um, we 
as I, as, I, as I said, we only just opened the shop here for funds. We're currently in the process of launching five funds for retail distribution. Um, in Ireland, for the first time, actually, we have Irish clients now for the first time since 1998. Amazing. Um, this is not the end. We want to do more about that also in the Irish market, not just using Ireland as a platform to distribute abroad. That's obviously also happening. We just launched two funds for a Spanish client. We're onboarding two big clients for our fund hosting platform. So there's more to come. Now we have free umbrellas live already. Um, that's probably not yet the end of it. And in terms of Irish business, we have a plan. And I think that's relatively achievable of achieving 10 billion business here in Ireland within the next three years. Really good to hear as well, Florian. Fantastic. And again, great to see your Irish products have such great um, growth plans. So, you know, welcome and thank you. That's great. And Jeff, from your side, you know, what plans do you guys have for the European business? Yeah, so I think um, in terms of what we do, we really want to create a one bank partnership for ETFs. Um, that Ireland's a very big part of that. Um, we've done two significant acquisitions from other banks, uh, one from Credit Suisse, more on the hedge fund side, and then one uh, with Deutsche Bank on the prime brokerage side, which really impact Ireland and helped us grow our, uh, grow our footprint there and give us more electronic market making capabilities, et cetera. So we really see the future in terms of how, how banking uh, partners work with their clients in terms of digitalization and uh, the word Florian's used is sustainable about investing, but it's also about a service offering and a client culture that's sustainable in the future. Because we know, I think you guys were referencing it, every basis point counts here. Um, and, and we know that as a banking partner, we need to be there in order to do that. So digitalizing everything, making it sustainable and then scalable in order to achieve that. In Ireland, I think through our, our uh, recent investments there, and it's really our innovation and technology Hub. Um, a lot of the ideas in terms of our global ETF service offering, they're coming from teams in Ireland. So it's really exciting to kind of partner across the Atlantic with them uh, for great opportunities for the future. Great, Jeff. And conscious of time, we have a couple of minutes left. And I just love to know, you know, same question for all three of you, but if I can, you know, we're at a North American seminar. We all wish we could be there in person, but unfortunately not. So for the people in the virtual room, you know, what one piece of advice would you give in terms of, you know, the opportunity and, you know, given your experience and Florian, given your mute is off, I got to start with you. <laughs> quite, quite a tricky question indeed Lisa um, I would say Ireland's a great place to start or grow your business so but it, there are some tricky points around so don't be afraid to ask for help from others who have already done it it's a small community and it's maybe less competitive than it seems and I think that's really, really well said. And it's one thing that we're really, you know, conscious of cultivating is the network to enable people, you know, settle in, find their feet and, um, you know, kind of learn from others. So I think that's really good advice, Florian. And Andy, if I can pass to you. Sure, yeah, I was gonna say uh, sort of three things and he nailed one of them. So I'll, I'll just uh, keep that one short. But I was gonna say, uh, stay focused, make sure to network and think differently. I think stay focused. You mentioned earlier, again, the 90 countries you can distribute to around the world is fantastic, but 
a lot of managers going offshore for the first time, if they are, um, it can be very daunting and you can kind of end up spinning in circles. So it's more important what you say no to sometimes than what you say yes to. So uh, I'd say stay focused with the plan as you go offshore. There's a lot you can do, but you can't do everything. Um, networking, just mentioned by Florian, a lot of the best decisions we made have come from what people call competitors, maybe. We call them colleagues at other firms. Uh, and everyone in the offshore space has been very open in the Irish Funds Network and around to help us out. And uh, that advice is invaluable. If you can learn from somebody else's mistake, it can save you a lot of time, energy, and, and money. And then finally, think differently. A lot of the things you may get pushed back onto from whether it be your firm, if you're going offshore for the first time, or other firms, is the idea of, um, you know, people may say to you, well, we don't do it that way. And you ask them, why not? And they say, because this is the way we've always done it. That's not how we do things. Don't take no for an answer. There's always a way. And I think with that network and the Irish funds and with the offshore business, you have a lot more options to get things done and get to a, a yes answer. So I think unless you can innovate, you can't grow offshore. So keep thinking differently and, and keep asking questions because you'll get the right answer in the end. Great advice, Andy. Great advice. And finally, Jeff. Yeah, well, going after the other two is a lot more difficult. <laughs> they might have taken what I had to say. But what I would say is to put it a little bit differently, engage. Um, in, engage with people. And I think, I think our experience with Ireland is very much that it is more like working with a local municipality than the federal government. It's very much about how do we build together. There's very much a communal feel to it versus this is the way it is follow the rules and I think um, I think embracing that uh, being open-minded about that and not not being scared or as uh, challenged will will definitely help you and, and leverage your partners uh, and uh, I think everyone on this panel and everyone that's presenting over the next couple of uh, sessions or previously they're open to having um, uh, conversations and dialogue so so contact the people we meet you or you see speak here i know it's a little bit different than it would be if we were all in a ballroom somewhere but uh but definitely reach out because i think your rate of return on those reach outs would be higher than you would usually expect i think it's just all you know really well said i'm kind of hanging on your every word and i would just emphasize to reach out you know we at irish funds and you know the executive leadership team in irish funds are just delighted to help you know we do really want to you know support the growth of the industry so do reach out you know they used to say 12 degrees of separation i think we're down to half a degree in ireland everybody knows everybody so really here to help, to support and to, you know, speed things up in terms of giving an accelerated start. So, you know, massive thanks to you all for your candidness, your honesty, your insight, you know, really, really enjoyed the discussion. And thank you, thank you, thank you.